You're listening to House Parks Radio Program, Mega Worldwide. Ah, uh, I thought there was going to be like a new one every break. I was so excited. You want more, Hal? We'll give you more. House Parks Radio Program, Mega Worldwide on Chicago's Progressive Talk, WCBT 820. Hoo One of the biggest parts of, you know, the unsung parts of the of the uh, um, Biden presidency right now is um, judges. So remember, remember, I mean, think about the fear of God that got put into Paul Krugman about the number of judges Trump was putting in. Remember this? Remember the whole dear God, the judges, you know, Trump was even touting that. Right. Like how many judges he got done. At this point in 2017, here you go, uh, Ron Klain, Biden's chief of staff, pointed out uh, in a tweet following the confirmation um, of uh, one of Biden's judges, I remember when the GOP used to say that Trump's judicial picks were alone enough to prove his leadership. He won confirmation of 19 judges in 2017. Tonight, the Senate confirmed the 38th judge nominated by Biden in 2021. Um and so the question in this is, so why don't more Democrats see it as a way, uh, um, see it that way and celebrate Biden's accomplishment? It's time for that to change. If Democrats are committed to painting an accurate picture, and that's the crucial part, an accurate picture of the Biden administration's accomplishments, as well as its future challenges, Trump, with a heavy assist from then Majority Leader Mitch McConnell, was able to appoint his first Supreme Court Justice Neil Gorsuch in April 2017, after McConnell held Justice Antonin Scalia's seat open uh, claiming confirmation should not take place in an election year. Trump's second appointment followed the announcement by Justice Anthony Kennedy very late in the 2018 term that he would be retiring. And, of course, he got his third uh, justice after McConnell did an abrupt about-face confirming Amy Coney Barrett, right? This is this in and of itself um, is is major. And this this is from, uh, um, let's see, I'm, I'm not quite sure who wrote this article, but if Democrats fail to tout their successes loudly and at every opportunity, they will lose the narrative. Period. End of story. The volume of judges. I mean, Biden is on track to put more judges in place than than Trump did easily within the first two and a half years of his presidency for the whole four years of Trump's. And remember, this was enough for pro-lifers to elect a, you know, a pro-life Christians to hold their nose and vote for a thrice-married philanderer who, uh, you know, was caught, you know, slept with a porn star while his wife was at home with their newborn and was paying off, uh, you know, people to keep his affairs quiet while he was running for president as, you know, in-kind contributions using, you know, payments to David Pecker at the Inquirer in a, in a boon to the comedy world um, just for the existence of that man and his name. Um, so this is, it is, and again, this isn't just, well, he's probably should probably, no, it is a moral imperative to tout your successes. It is a moral imperative to tout progress when it is made, because if you downplay it, um, for you, not only give, you know, the other side, a lot of leeway to start, you know, laying down this ridiculous we breathe out the military the cupboards were bare that you know that whole nonsense that yeah, he yeah. rolls out every time that his little like weird verbal tick that he starts rolling into that segment of stuff like some like uh, you know 
pre-dementia old dude at a bar who just, you know, if you if you say Wednesday, you go, I remember the big game was on a Wednesday night. I was uh, lined up against them. We were down two points. You know, and like, you go, like, uh, I think the Adams family is on. And their daughter named Wednesday, you know, I remember a big game was on Wednesday and we were down two points. Like, Trump does it like that. If you, he'll find his way to that every single time. Yeah, yeah. But if we can't, then, you know, then how do you sell that you're, valuable, not just to the people that you might convince on the other side of the aisle and independents and people, you know, who who float towards legitimate governing, but your own people. You demoralize your own group. You, you know, the gains that you make um, because you're in the business of selling lack of gains, which is, again, what happens with the activist class. The activist class's big problem is the commodifying of misery. And that if it ever ends, the meal ticket is gone. The, 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 it, you know, their, their economy, their, their economic prospects dry up. Right. And that's a, that's a tough spot to be in when you actually are making some progress. You know, I, I, I'm sure there are some people um, who thought they'd still be making money trying to get gay marriage legal right now. Yeah. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And now everybody shrugs that off as normal. I mean, they're like, you know, from like that ship has sailed. Ask, you know, any like high evangelical. There's no chance they ever expect to put that genie back in the bottle. Or get that toothpaste back in the tube. Not ever, never. And they don't expect to. But a lot of us just kind of, you know, on, on our side, uh, you know, all that progress made. Think about how fast in the great scheme of rights in, you know, considering women's voting rights, uh, you know, uh, civil rights in the country um, from, say, Stonewall from the beginning of an actual movement. To the success of it, you know, over the you know hundreds of years or thousands of years, people have been trying to secure rights for a group of people. How how quickly that happened compared to other movements? I mean, you know, the ending of slavery in the United States. We're talking about you know 150 years, and it slavery still exists in the world outside of here. Yeah. You know, like. Uh, in the same way that now our fight for for LGBT rights, for example, are worldwide, they are about pressuring other governments to allow their their own citizens to live safe safely. And and do we have you know social progress that needs to be made interpersonally? Yeah, but I got news for you: humans are humans. That's always going to be the case. But as a society, we've 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 stuck our flag in that one. We're staying there. And there's a lot of those gains that if you ignore the progress, the other side is, you know, every every attempt you make, they're always going to be against it. But when your own side starts to get demoralized and think there's no hope, I mean, we're not doing it. Like, ask anybody, like, about the shift. In, I mean, what climate elements were in the rescue package? Now, ask a rando Democrat or or progressive in the House, for example, mm-hmm. they're not going to be able to tell you. 
But there's a ton of electric car and, you know, battery technology and supporting, uh, you know, battery factories in the United States to get us off of fossil fuels quicker. It shortened the timeline by about three and a half years by itself that we would get to net zero. Nobody's touting that because they think people will take their foot off the gas. That's most of the reason why people won't do this. They think if we let anybody know that there's been any progress, they'll take their foot off the gas and it's too crucial. Climate change is too important. People's rights are too important. You can't take your foot off the gas ever. So you have to believe we're late. We're always late. We're always late. Until you flood the engine or you gun it or you're just stuck in real genuine traffic that's reality. And everybody in the vehicle that's with you, that supports what you're doing, starts to, you know, get demoralized from this. And hence Paul Krugman's final line in this thing. Despair is not a plan. Nobody should give up. But if you aren't extremely worried... You aren't paying attention. No. Worry isn't going to solve any of this. It just isn't. It's, it, it is, worry is the act of terrorizing yourself. It, it, is, it is daydreaming worst case scenarios at every turn. That's what worry is. And by its very definition. And, and because that's your focus... The solution, both in your own life um, uh, and, in, and, and geopolitically, as far as who you vote for and stuff, if you, if you start, you know, becoming a nihilist, which sounds exhausting, man. It does. Um, it does. If, if, if it, nothing drives people faster into anarchical nihilism, like there is no progress being made. And the trend towards, you know, People in the streets throwing Molotov cocktails that are, you know, on the left side of the equation. A lot of those folks found themselves there because they don't believe any progress is ever made, even when it is. They are anti-science when it comes to progress. We got to take a break because um, the um, news is coming up. News seven 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 three seven six three nine two seven eight is our number. Um, you know, let me know if you want to call in. Just say Happy New Year or tell us how. You plan to spend yours? Do you have a New Year's resolution? You're listening to the Hal Sparks Radio Program, Mega Worldwide. I've had people walk out of me before, but not when I was being so charming. Video streaming at HalSparks.com. Well, I don't care for you or for the putrid sludge you're trowling out. Us faithful pimpstick. True progressive talk. Might be a good time for you guys to give up. Welcome back. So we were looking um, during the break at, uh, at one of the big accomplishments around judges, of course, that uh, the Biden administration has already made, not to mention the rescue package and the biggest infrastructure package in it, that I, I would argue um, in, in the same way that the highway bill was pivotal in turning America into a superpower more than almost any single act of government, um, the broadband initiative in the current infrastructure bill will do the exact same thing in the information age for Americans across the board. And there's going to be a lot of people, a lot of homeschoolers, very excited about the quality of Internet they're going to have out in the middle of the sticks because the Biden administration said, I don't care if you voted for me or not. You're an American and you deserve the same quality um, of you know, access to the Internet as anybody else that lives in a big city. Do they, will they give them credit for it? No. But that will be their p- 
petty response. That's all on them. We don't have to care about that. It just gives us something nice and hypocritical to point to over time. But one of the um, um, points in this article was that uh, um, the uh, Biden has put forward so far um, more diverse uh, racially by gender and legal experience than were Trump's picks, which is no surprise, by the way. Um, who are overwhelmingly white and male, but they include public defenders, civil rights lawyers, and attorneys for organized labor, along with more uh, uh, typical mix of prosecutors and big law firm members. I don't see any, uh, let's see, the outgoing president of the Liberal Alliance for Justice, like, the activist class is always going to find, like, well, I guess. But in reality, the amount of pride us regular voters can have in what Biden is doing as far as his nominations and it being representative of the American public and the people working in the United States, the, the qualified judges that exist in our country getting a chance to move up the ladder because they are qualified but may have been overlooked previously, um, this is a beautiful thing. It just is. By the way, does it automatically mean that because these people are uh, diverse or people of color or are, you know, diverse by gender and other things that they're automatically going to be, uh, quote unquote, weak on crime, for example, or let people get away with murder, as it were? No. There's actually, statistically speaking, a chance that they would be harder on some defendants because of their racial and gender diversity. That, that, that women judges don't let women get away with stuff um, the way some men judge do, judges do because of their perception mm-hmm. that women are somehow, you know, old, old school judges sometimes view women as, uh, you know, as, as the weaker sex. And therefore, if there's two people standing there for murdering the same person, the woman of the two will get six years less on her sentence than the guy. Now, again, that has a lot to do with, you know, the, the concept of biological strength and that um, a, a man and a woman put in jail at the same time, the guy will have six years more of stabby life after he gets out of jail than the woman will because of osteoporosis and how men age versus women age. That said, it isn't necessarily, it doesn't affect the, 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 the victim or the victim's family or the sense of justice it's like, wow, well, we're not we can let you out because you're pretty probably too weak to stab anybody anymore. It's not a great way, reason to release people if they've murdered someone who will never get paroled from a cemetery. No one ever you gets paroled tired. from the cemetery. Yes, right. Yeah, you look you look like it, I I don't think run a lap real quick. Nah, you yeah. can get away from her. Out you go. So, just because th- these people are diverse uh does not mean that they'll somehow be biased towards their own group. And the people that have that perception probably expect some sort of bias from their judges towards their own group. That's why we put these white judges in there, so that we let the, you know, um, let us go, right? If if that's your opinion of how people operate, that's probably how you operate or what you're expecting, right? Mm Mm-hmm. So, so anyways, what I'm saying overall is that this alone, just the number of judges in the first, you know, 11 months of the Biden administration are a ginormous win. 
And uh, there's a lot to look forward to um, in them continuing to do this, putting sensible, um, you know, tough, intelligent, qualified people who may have been overlooked before because of their skin color or, or the fact that they were a woman in most cases. Um, now they're going to be in a position where they can make decisions. And you'll find that in some cases they will bring, because of their life experience, um, a, a, a new look on how they could handle some things. And in some areas, because of their life experience, they will be harder on these defendants in some circumstances sure. or on. Yeah, that's just because at root, one of the things that diversity ultimately will bring us is the recognition that humans are humans, that people, um, are, you know, we don't make group decisions. And that even people from the same technical background can have extraordinarily divergent um, belief systems, ideas. And if if you don't uh, believe me, ask uh, Oprah or Candace Owens the same question (laughs) in general. So I, I, I want I'm starting off my year by giving the Biden administration, a ridiculous amount of credit for the wonderful wins that they've had this year and that we all voted for. Yeah. We did. I voted for a more diverse bench. I voted for a more diverse cabinet. I voted for an infrastructure bill to actually get passed instead of a a never-ending infrastructure week. I voted for somebody who isn't a bully. And, I, and one of the right. other things I voted for was uh, treating allies like allies and not treating dictators like friends. I, I, I understand the practicality of, you know, in, a, in, in geopolitics and, and the dangerous world we live in. Sometimes you have to sit across the table from someone that you know because you've seen the video personally sprayed poison in someone's face um, so that they could get in the position that they're in today. And yet, because of the millions of people they represent and the weapons that they have or the geopolitical you know, strength they have simply because of where their country is positioned physically on the earth, that you have to deal with this person. That's 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 understandable. But the illusion that somehow, you know, the like like Trump's whole love letters with Kim Jong Un is just I mean, I don't I don't know that we yeah. really recognize the lunacy and the psychosis of even talking like that about someone like him, right? I mean, just gross. Um, so I, um, hold on, I'm going to move you over a little bit, Johnny Million, because you, you, you're listing to port. Oh my um, goodness. Sorry, I crossed okay. my legs. That happens. I've heard, I've heard of that happening. Mm-hmm. Um, I can, I can fix it though. I can move you over and solve that Thank problem. You. I said, it's what I, it's what I do. You can just, just relax. There you go. Um, so, you know, dealing with people who, you know, you know, are awful, Ask a ask a prosecutor has had to offer a deal to a murderer because they want to find the you know other bodies so that people can bury their loved ones. Right. Like imagine 
Imagine what it takes to do that once, much less dozens of times over your career. That's real. To stare straight into the face of someone you know tortured and murdered someone, multiple someones, and having to go, all right, I'll give you less time if you just, or I won't kill you, in this case, like a capital, you know, punishment, right. life in prison versus capital punishment. Simply um, so that you can, you know, so that the victims can have some sense of closure, some sense of just, just the ability to reclaim the, the, you know, that kind of stuff is real. Happens all yep. the time, every day, not just in this country, worldwide, German prosecutors, British prosecutors, uh, Swedish prosecutors have to do with this stuff. Uh, they do with it all the time, as as do um, you know people in the states and all this. Kind of, and you want someone who can make that decision, whose values you can count on, who isn't in the back of their head going, "Well, the person they killed probably had it coming, and if I let them out, they might kill somebody else like that." So maybe it's you know the 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 soft racism of releasing murderers back into a community that you know that they will kill. That kind of madness. And so having sensible people who care about, you know, the people they live amongst is incredibly valuable. Somebody in the chat room just said, and we've got to take a break, but somebody in the chat room just said governments aren't supposed to profit. First of all, um, governments don't run a cash profit. But governments absolutely do have a profit. The profit is, is measurable, and it is more important than than in, it is priceless. It is effectively a priceless profit. And that is the longevity, the uh, level of education, and the quality of life of the, of the people who live in that country or that society under the government. That's the only measurable point. Raising the lifespan of every single member of that country and improving the quality of life of those people and providing them with a situation where they can be as educated as they want to be in their life. Mm -hmm. Basically guided freedom. The idea is that, you know, freedom with, with uh, guardrails so that other people who their idea of freedom is being Edmund Kemper doesn't interfere with your freedom to become a doctor or, you know, a lawyer or a scofflaw or a, or a moron or a, 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 a Netflix binger. It's up to you. But you, sh- you, you know, tough, life, liberty, and the pursuit of ha- yeah. Not quite a hooligan, but a, no. but definitely like. But you scoff. You know, when it comes to laws. But yeah, you you follow the law, but you go bah humbug every so often. Uh, we got to take a break. We'll be back right after this. This is the House Park Radio Program, Mega Worldwide on WCPT Radio, Chicago's Progressive Talk. We got seven hundred and seventy-seven people in the chat. We're going to get to a thousand. I know it's going to happen, even on January first, where people are hungover, joining in late. Coming in. Bless you guys for joining us. Um, uh, we'll see you after the break. Attention. Attention. Stop what you're doing. Because we're coming back to the Hal Sparks radio program, Mega Worldwide. Oh, my God. They went a little crazy with it, and I appreciate it. Now let's get back with Hal Sparks radio program, Mega Worldwide. I, you know, I, I threw this up a little while ago, but, you know, just to see what people's kind of reaction was to this reality. 
this fact, to this bit of truth, in that the concepts of capitalism, socialism, and communism, which get used a lot on social media and a ton on Fox News, um, especially, um, uh, those were ideas, systems, concepts designed and uh, and sort of launched during a time when there was less than a billion five people on the planet. There were no cell phones. There were no personal computers. The, the, the concept of capital, for example, capitalism literally gets its name from having a head of cattle. That you are the guy with the stuff. Um, by the way, somebody really? just sent me something really cool. I'm going to Yeah. Yeah. Capitalism comes um, from cattle. I love that. Yes. That having a head of cattle. Um, and that, you know, again, socialism, communism and capitalism, these sort of ideas are like broad stroke cartoonish ideas. Like anarchy, like really is anarchy is not an actual thing, right? People know that, right? We had anarchy. We lived in caves. We clubbed each other to death. It was they, some people shared, and other people went, "Oh, they're sharing. Let's go take their stuff." <laughs> like, you know, we had we. Do you think our our systems of government and stuff just kind of formed accidentally? These modern democracy, especially. Yeah. Modern democracy is a giant bonsai tree that took forever and still constantly requires constant gardening, constant, you know, pruning of stuff that gets too far off the res and, you know, and helping us maintain a healthy plant. Right. And it is incredibly frustrating for people like to hear these folks fighting for those words instead of the programs that they care about. Social security is not socialism. I'm sorry it isn't. It's got the word social in it. That's as far as it goes. And if you want to, if you're going to argue that socialism and social security is socialism, then you have to agree that the Nazis had national socialist party, like socialist workers party. Like those words are meaningless to our current form of, of taxation, of providing programs to people, our support structures. They just don't, they're not up to it. So, um, you know, there are, that I think is, is part of our conversation too, is that we get, we seize complexity and move away from sort of the ridiculous broad strokes that the words are more important. You got to fight for socialism because if you don't fight for socialism, it sounds like you're not fighting for social security, which is not socialism and is a much bigger program and has a lot of value to it and can be managed and, and improved on and tweaked over time as our economy changes um, without people going, Oh dear God, it's uh, they're going to blow the whole thing up or you can't change it at all. Yes, democracy is a bonsai. I love the metaphor, Hal. Thank you. I appreciate that. It's, that's what it is. It's, you know, it's, it's the idea of being a constant gardener. That's what mm-hmm. governments do. Because life is always alone. changing. No. And nothing we experience today is, I mean, good God. You could show outdated technology from the 90s to someone in the 60s, and they could take over the world with it. And effectively, individuals have. We're a little slapdash with it, and we, you know, we use it in kind of a punk way for social media and the like. 
But the computing power of, that's available to every human being on the planet is extraordinary. It's, I mean, it's mind-bogglingly large. And it's just going to get more so. There's that, there's no, talk about not being able to put the toothpaste back in the tube on that one. But um, somebody tossed a piece of news my way, which I thought was really kind of cool. Uh, South Korea has effectively agreed with the United States on a draft declar- uh, declaring the end of the Korean War. According to South Korean Foreign Minister uh, Chung Yu-yong, as uh, reported by South Korea's Yonhap News Agency on Wednesday, speaking at a news conference, Chung said U.S. Secretary of State Anthony Blinken, uh, Blinken had reaffirmed the progress, saying that both sides have effectively reached an agreement on the draft. U.S. State Department spokesperson said the U.S. has no hostile intent towards North Korea and is pre- prepared to meet without uh, preconditions. Look at that. And, and by the way, I'm showing this little clip on there's a little piece of news. Let's see if I can find this. Yeah. All of a sudden, while this is happening, and I'm sure there's some, you know, side dork conversations happening. Nobody is saying they're getting love letters from Kim Jong-un or that they think he's, a, he's beautiful and that he, they're trading insults until they start hugging. Just normal, functional diplomacy. North Korea's Kim talks food, not nukes for 2022. Um, North Korean leader Kim Jong-un capped off his 10th year in power with a speech that made more mention of tractor factories and school uniforms than nuclear weapons in the United States, according to summaries by state media on Saturday. North Korea's main goals for 2022 will be jump-starting economic development, improving people's lives as it faces, quote, great life and death struggle, a, a great life and death struggle, Kim said in a speech on Friday. The meeting's co-signed with the 10-year uh, anniversary of Kim. Kim has used previous speeches um, around the new year to make major policy announcements, including launching a significant diplomatic engagement with South Korea and the United States. But summaries of his speech published in North, Korea state, uh, North Korean state media made no specific mention of the United States with only a passing reference to um, unspecified discussions of inter-Korean relations and, quote, in, uh, external affairs. The, Democrat, uh, the domestic focus of the speech underscored the economic problems Kim faces at home, where self-imposed anti-pandemic border lockdowns have left North Korea more isolated than ever before, with international aid organizations warning of possible food shortages and a humanitarian crisis. Um, this, uh, you know... This is a huge step forward, and it will, like most of the stuff that will happen during the Biden administration, will be shrugged off by the mainstream media if they notice at all. And um, Republicans will pretend it's not happening. Fox will pretend it's not happening, and they will go, we had strength before, and now we're weak. That's the, yep. Get ready for that whole storyline nonstop. Um, but the reality is, is that the you know, the normal perfunctory government work of getting stuff done is happening every day, all day long. And I, I you know, I've said along, you know, along the lines of my commitment to a, a new radical optimism. And by the way, it's really just about talking about my radical optimism more often because that's how I live. Because yeah. I kind of had to, you know, because yeah, you have to understand, um, when I left to go to L.A. to find work and all that kind of stuff, everybody was like, yeah, it's not, not going to happen. Even though I, had a, I was gainfully employed at the time. I had a game show I was doing. I, you know, I had more work than most of my contemporaries. And yet, everybody was like, nah, I mean, and sooner or later you're going to tuck your tails between your legs and come home. And, uh, you know, you should probably just get it. Just bail. Just bail on it. And... And I called the 90s the Sisyphus years, as many people know, um, mm-hmm. as I trudged through that 
reality. But that's what it takes. And every victory I've ever had in my entire life, and Johnny, you're a marathon runner. Um, yeah. Would you say that your, your success, uh, the successes that you've had, came out of uh, uh, magic or incremental work? <laughs> Always incremental work. Right. Day, day after day, sticking to a schedule, building, expanding on your ability, raising your, you know, your cardio level and, and your distance and all that kind of stuff, right? Yeah. Um, working on technique, improving technique again and again. That is um, so valuable. And yet it gets kind of, um, uh, it gets dismissed by a lot of folks. And that's got to stop. There, you can have uh, incremental progress, um, or you can do steroids. <laughs> uh, and there's a lot of people screaming for steroids these days when it comes to political action, without any recognition for the for the side effects. There, you know, the the negation of respect for incrementalism. Doing the daily work, getting up every day and trying and, and and hitting it again and hitting it again and hitting yep. it again, um, is dismissed so frequently. It is, I would argue, the hydroxychloroquine and ivermectin of the left. Why do I need to get healthy and get vaccinated? I'll just wait till there's a problem and take horse paste. It is. It is. So incredibly valuable that we learn. And yet, by the way, there are great leap forward, leaps forward that happen all the time, in science especially. You know how they happen? After years of incremental change, built on everything. Everything Elon Musk is doing that everybody's ooing and aahing about is based on data that NASA got since 1962. NASA has been stacking the reality of getting into the atmosphere, getting, you know, uh, breaking past gravity balancing rockets, you know, all the stuff that they did years and years and years and years make the stuff that happened with Elon Musk look really fast. But it ain't. It's all built on that previous knowledge. It's all built on that previous work. And all the people that put in day-to-day, you know, stressful, sometimes futile work. And disrespecting that is, in my estimation, Gross and immoral. we got to take a break. We'll be back right after this. Um, uh, by the way, infotainmentwars.com, that's my YouTube channel. You can subscribe there. I recommend it. We're trying to hit 28,000. We're going to get there. We almost yeah, we hit are. it by New Year's Day, but we're pretty darn close. And twitch.tv slash Hal Sparks is a great way to support the show. Um, just go to twitch.tv slash Hal Sparks. If you're an Amazon Prime member, you can subscribe, and it doesn't cost you a dime. We'll be back. 